Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Similana. This week, we're going to discuss why the idea of creation is important, beyond a description of the physical world. What I mean is that people often go through the story of Genesis and they look at it with a modern lens. They look at it with a scientific lens. They try and understand it or appreciate it from a scientific perspective. What I want to show in this discussion is how the Torah's ideas are relevant and powerful at every stage of history. True, when we look at the Bible with a scientific lens, we're confused. If it's a description of the physical world, loads of questions sort of pop up. But what I would like to show at the beginning of this discussion about how that isn't necessarily how people always looked at it. What I mean by that is, throughout history, the way we've looked at the natural world has changed. That being our first part, the second part to then move on to show how there is a relevant and powerful message still nested in this idea. So let's begin. How do we look at the world today? But it's difficult to answer that question unless we get a bit of perspective. How did ancient pagan man look at the world? Well, for him, the world was an enchanted place. All the phenomena around him was a result of a different spirit, of a different power, a god. In which case, the way they related to the world was to appease these powers. And there we see paganism. Now, when this chap would open up the Bible and hear this calling that everything was created or came into being by one force, we can see the, the relevance that this would give to him, the enlightenment this would open to him, that the world isn't controlled by these terrible forces, but unified in one unique power, unified in one benevolent God. So the message to pagan man is clear, but then it progressed. A certain connectivity or connection was made between the natural world and God. The Christian world were at the forefront of this way of looking at the world. You had the cosmos, a theological cosmos. Earth was the center of the universe. Everything revolved around us in this world, and this world was intimately connected with God. Thereby reading the Bible gave voice to this idea of God's hand constantly involved in the world. You then had a seismic shift of how we look at the world, from people like Copernicus, where he took this radical step to say that the Earth wasn't the center of the universe, that the Earth was going around the sun. And then Galileo, who said the stars themselves weren't even revolving around the Earth. This was a radical shift. We were no longer in the center of the universe. The universe didn't revolve around us, but more so, the idea of laws, natural laws, being able to predict and understand the universe we were in. And these ideas were solidified with Newton. The idea that natural laws could predict and explain the universe that we're in, and the advancements that took forward after that. And these ways of looking at the world picture us. They, they sort of influence the way we understand the world today. We look at the world, not that there's this natural area infused with God. No, we look at it more like a machine that is to be understood. We don't live in a cosmos. The word cosmos itself means an ordered system. We live in a world where there are a string of hypotheses, and as time goes on, these change, and the way we appreciate and connect to the world changes. So the naturalistic way of looking at the world today influences how we read the Bible. The idea itself of gratias ex nihilo, the creation from nothing, looked at with a scientific lens, is nonsensical. You can't have creation. That doesn't make sense from within a scientific framework with the understanding of science that we have today. That just simply doesn't make sense. In which case, people tend towards looking at this as sort of bad science. But my point is, that wasn't the point. 
meaning the description of the world that the Torah is giving us, its truth doesn't change. But the way we approach it does change, in which case the messages we need to highlight changes. And that's what I want to do. I want to highlight the messages Rav Hirsch puts forward on the table. Of course, there are many different messages and many different ideas and many different ways that the Torah is describing the natural world. But I want to focus on one message. The type of message that when you're sitting down with a colleague having coffee and they say, well, you're reading Genesis, aren't you? Tell me something interesting. Well, people are often skimming about and like, well, trying to explain it from a scientific perspective. Now, of course, that's nice, but maybe let's give it a message or articulate a message that hits home to our ears today. So let's break it down. Why is this concept, this idea of creation, beyond an event, but as an idea integral to a Jewish worldview? Rav Hirsch explains that if we take the opposite possibility, the possibility that matter had existed for eternity, what does this do for God? Well, this does one thing for God and one thing for us. From our point of view, the universe that was made, or the universe that we experience from a religious standpoint, wasn't the best possible universe. Meaning that evil in the world, or problems in the world, wouldn't be put down to some sort of higher power or higher understanding. The classic question of theodicy is, how come bad things happen? Now, if the universe had existed for eternity, or at least the matter which God formed the universe had always existed, then any problem or any flaw or any evil could be put down to that original matter that it pre-existed our existence. Think about it. If there is a problem with our universe, let's call it evil, well, what do we generally say? The answer is that it's we don't know why evil exists, but there is a reason. There is moral reason for the evil that we experience in our lives, but it's beyond our understanding. The classic calling from Job is, were you there when I put the foundation stone to the universe? Meaning, to undo this evil, we may have to undo existence. That's the answer to this problem. But if the matter had pre-existed, God's forming it into our universe, well then, any problems could be put down to the original flawed stuff he was forced to use. Because then when we look at the world, we don't longer say this is the world that God intended. Now this was the God world or the universe or our experience that God was forced to use. This pre-existing matter was the thing that he was forced to use to mould our universe from. So that idea that all that would be unjust, all that would be evil, could just simply be put down to the garbage that God was forced to use. The principle of garbage in, garbage out would remain true, in which case there would be no higher meaning or higher reason for things. It would just be garbage. But there's another point, and it comes from the language that Rav Hirsch uses, the stuff God would be forced to use. Now that's a problem, because if God is forced to use something, if God doesn't have the ability or doesn't have the freedom to not be forced into using that which had always existed, well then the notion of freedom that I think I experience would also be illusory. So this notion of freedom that we think we have, that we experience, would be put into question from a theological standpoint. Both these ideas are put into question from a naturalistic standpoint already. Evil in the world is because the world isn't considered a nice place. There is no higher meaning to things. The world is nasty, brutish, and short. 
and you don't have freedom. That is an illusion cooked up by your brain to deal with the complexity in the world. That is the naturalistic answer. But imagine that theologically it would be an agreement. But no, Genesis comes along and says, no, God created from nothing. That means there was nothing. And then a free will came to the scene and made the best possible world in an act of freedom. So you have these two principles that theologically negate naturalism, theologically negate the idea that we live in a meaningless universe plagued by evil and that we aren't free to act outside the closed system of the universe. No. Theologically, we say, no, God created the best possible world and created it from a perspective of freedom. Thereby, I have freedom. So, let's recap these points. One, if God was forced to use pre-existing matter, then all evil and all unjust would be forced to be put down to that pre-existing junk God was forced to use, garbage in, garbage out. And our second point, if God was forced to use it, then how am I not forced? If God can't transcend this closed system of the universe, then this feeling of freedom that I have, that too must be illusory. So just to end off with, I suppose, a way of grounding this in language that we use throughout the Jewish tradition. When someone loses someone close to them, when someone is in mourning, they say the Kaddish prayer, one of the most well-known prayers that people, unfortunately at times, have to be the one to say it. The language of Yiskadal the Yiskadash, Shemei Rabah, we talk about how God's name should be praised. We recognize the state that we're in, we recognize things aren't good, we praise God at a time like this, which people might find bizarre, but it gives perspective to the loss that we've experienced. But there's a key word that's used here, Ba'alma divra chiruse, a world you created according to your will. Once again, feeding back to that point, that this world was created, my experience on some level was intended, thereby that principle of purpose is being articulated, at this dark time. Another perspective, if you will, the idea of a miracle. A miracle? What is a miracle? A nace. What's the point? Why is it theologically important that religion sort of proclaims these events? Because there are times in history where we see God, once again, creating from nothing. The idea of impacting the world in such a way is according to this idea that God is free. Once again, that idea can be taken in isolation. The theological importance of the concept of miracle, nace itself, means a banner, means to call attention to it, to call that God isn't bounded, encased in nature. There's this imminence we're trying to stand away from. God isn't part of nature. The experience of being in this world is connected to the enchantment around us. But no, God transcends. We're sort of going away from an idea that God is infused into the world. We're saying, no, God transcends the world. God is above the world. We're moving away from this imminence that makes God just a part of nature. All these ideas, once again, sort of coalesce to giving this calling of a free, unbounded God. There's a famous phrase from the Talmudic sages that God looked into the Torah, God looked into the Bible and created the world. What does that mean? It wasn't a book. The point is that purpose came first. The idea that God created from a perspective of freedom means that there was an intention at the end. The idea of Shabbos itself is a testimony to this whole principle of freedom.
of the whole principle that God created with a plan. He looked into the Torah, not as a book, but he looked into the Torah meaning that the world was created with a purpose in mind that would come about in the future. So when we experience the Shabbos, in whichever manner we do, we're testifying to creation. And in this day and age, let us take a little step back from looking at it from a naturalistic perspective. This principle, this principle of freedom, we are testifying to. We're testifying to the idea of overarching purpose, meta-purpose, not simple purpose that we can create in our lives, but no, there is an overarching theme that our lives are fitting into. That is what Shabbos is testifying to, because Shabbos testifies to the idea of creation. We say it when we say the Kaddish. We talk about that God had purpose in creating the world. The world that we experience came through purpose, and it was the best possible world, thereby a genuine answer to evil. So, these ideas all together sort of accumulate into how we can appreciate the idea of Genesis, the idea of creation from nothing, not as a scientific hypothesis, but as a moral statement that God created the world from freedom and the best possible world. And these ideas are brought to life throughout the Jewish tradition, but most prominently on Shabbos, where we say, when God, when God finished, and it came to completion. What came to completion? The universe that we experienced because there was a purpose. And that is given light to by the idea that God took where there was nothing and created something. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful Shabbos.